welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Eldon, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot in a second. I don't know if, I, I think everyone needs to hear what Eldon just said. <laughs> I was walking up and he said, ooh, Josh, nice. <laughs> and that just made me feel so good. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope you still feel the same way at the end of the sermon. So, <laughs> oh, man, well, it's, um, it's really great to be here. Uh, with you guys. I know that we're, you know, we're a family and we're a body that is together, whether we're connected through the internet or other means, but being able to actually see people's faces or the top half of most of your faces, like that's, I'll take that any day. I'm really, um, I'm, I don't know if excited is the right word. Yeah. I don't know if excited is the right word. I'm really anticipating uh, our, our time together today. Um, I'm, I've been a believer since, I think, like five years old. Uh, and I, I lived according to what I knew best for the vast majority of those years. And really, it's been the last five or six years that this uh, message of the new covenant, some people say it's the message of grace, um, but the idea of like Christ living in me and living through me, my complete righteousness, my complete perfect standing, my identity as a son of God, all that, all those questions are answered. That idea is something that's been a little newer to me. And one thing that I've noticed in myself in the last five or six years is that as my personal focus on grace and standing in righteousness, as, I'm, as I focused on that, these other words that are like really, really important <laughs> to our life as believers, they've kind of been like sliding off my radar and almost becoming bad words. So words like works, uh, words like performance, um, obedience, uh, obligation even. And I mean, it's justifiable in a sense because I used to believe that it was my works that created my standing and that created my identity in Christ. If I, if I, had a, uh, if I could look back at my week and say, wow, I did all these really good things and I didn't do nearly as many bad things as usual, then okay, I, I, was, a good, I was being a good Christian. So there's my identity. I was being a good Christian. I had made a lot of good choices and so that was my standing. However, that's not, that's not accurate at all. And one of the things that God's been kind of working on in my heart for the last, well, I guess you could say 35 years, but the last like year or so has been like kind of like slowly kind of changing the way I think about the word works specifically and helping me see that, you know, the old, the old formula that I had of where works determines my standing and my relationship with God is like, that's actually, that's actually backwards. And works, far from being a bad word, far from being something that I've left behind me in my days of legalism. It's like, no, no, oh boy. Works are, works are actually, works are actually the end game. 
And it's my standing with Christ, it's my righteousness, it's my identity as a son of God, and that is the soil out of which really, really great works happen. And so, is it up there? It is up there, yes. So the arena of works and performance is a very sacred place. And it's the area where I begin to experience the most vibrant, intimate moments with my Father God. I should also say as a caveat, it's not the only place, of course, but it is one of the places where we really begin to experience what it's like to do life with Jesus in a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, breath-by-breath, kind of a way. So that's sort of what we're getting into today. Um, and so I'm just going to pray to get into this, and then we're going to dive in. It's Father, today um, what we're doing together, you and I up here, is something that has been in the works for a very long time, pun fully intended, and it's something that I know you're excited about and I'm excited about, and I pray that as I communicate up here, that what you want people to hear will stick out to them. And the words that you have for them will just sit in their heart and it will bear fruit. Amen. Alrighty, so what we're going to do first is we're going to just uh, start at one of my favorite verses. It's Ephesians 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. And I'll say this, that verses 8 and 9 are some of my, they, they have been, the real, real big ones for me in a, in a long time. And but verse 10 is where we're going to camp and we're going to spend a bit of time there. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And it's not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And as I was saying earlier, so much of my focus in the last four or five years has been on like the area of verses eight and nine, you know, um, saved by grace it's through faith. It's not of me. It's a, it's a gift of God. It's not a result of my works, because if that was the case, then we can boast. We could say, look what I've done. You know, we have notches on our belt or we have like good things that we've done that we can point to and say, I, I earned, I earned my salvation. And that's, that's not the case at all. And, and Paul is making this like super, super duper clear in these two verses. However, I also find that I tend to stop reading after verse 9. Verse 10 says, we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And what God's been really, really communicating really clearly to me is that the message of the new covenant, it moves us to verse 10. The verse 10 is like the maturation. It's the goal. It's kind of like the end game of our relationship with Jesus. Now, there's a distortion here, and I've kind of talked about this, alluded to this a little bit already, but the, there's a concept that works is something that we don't have to think about. It's not in our purview. It's not something that the believer needs to worry about because Jesus did it all. That's true. Jesus secured my standing. He secured my righteousness. But as a result of who he made me, and as a result of the standing he gave me, out of that, the fruit of that is good works. There's a couple of really important questions we have. So number first question is, what are those good works? <laughs> like, good works is like easy to, two easy words to say, 
But a really, really big question. So that's the first question. The second one is really simple as well. If I was created to walk in these works, how, how do I actually go about walking in those works? So what we're gonna, um, I would say that answering, well, answer the first question first. So like, what are the works that God has called for, how it's called us to do? And then we're gonna spend most of the time today talking about how do we walk in those works? So the first thing I would say, first, uh, first answer I'd give to the question of like, what are those works? Well, I mean, this isn't new, new stuff for you guys. It's like the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are things that manifest in our life. Those are the works that are created in us as a result of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. Those are things that believers, mature believers, should be able to see in their life. I'm using the word should on purpose because that's another one of those words that you know, has slid off the edge of my radar. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit. Key idea, fruit. That's a foreshadowing. It's another old preacher trick that I learned. Um, the, second, the second answer to what are those works is our spiritual gifts. And our Pastor Ross is doing like an incredible job of walking us through the book of Ephesians. And he's got like a really, really excellent kind of few sermons where he talks of the spiritual gifts and the different ways that God has like kind of shaped and molded every single person here. And, it, and it's a way that they can have an impact in the lives of the people around them. So that's another place to look, you know, as you're thinking about what are those works I'm supposed to be doing. Um, the third one is love, really, really simply. It's loving each other. And there's so many verses in the New Testament that talk about how loving one another is as much of a commandment as we can possibly have. John 13, 35, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, this by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. That's how a functional body of believers, a functional community of people who are operating in the spirit, they will be a group of people that loves really, really, really well. Uh, second, another big verse, um, the entire law, this is Galatians 5.14, the entire law, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. I have to confess something. <laughs> For a lot of my life, when I, think, when I thought about loving others, I always put myself in the place of others. And I would look at people around me and say, are they loving me right now? And that is an important question to ask, but I wanna kind of spin that question because there's really, there's two directions you can go with this. The one is the one, the, the one direction is, it's how I typically have, have kind of answered this question. I look at the problems that I have in my life. I look at the situations, the circumstances that I'm facing. And I look at the people around me and I look at the resources they have. So I'll talk about, I don't know, maybe six or seven years ago, I was part of a prayer group and God was doing crazy intense things in my heart. I didn't really recognize at the time, but he was really dismantling my flesh. <laughs> he was really taking apart all these um, kind of, uh, these patterns that I was using to like operate independent of him. And I would go to this prayer group every week, 
And I, my business was like failing and I was so frustrated and we're struggling to pay bills. Like our financial situation had deteriorated to the point where we had to leave our house because I couldn't pay rent anymore. And it was a horrible, horrible time in my life. I don't, it's definitely in my top th or maybe bottom three, <laughs> like top three <coughs> crappy, crappy situations that I've lived through. Um, and I remember sitting and like looking around in my mind, like as we're, as we're praying and thinking, I know that guy could write a check and solve my problems. I know that person could do this and solve my problems. I know that person could do this thing and solve my problems. Why aren't they loving me? And that's one direction that it's so easy to go to whenever we talk about love as believers. But this is not what the, the, the point of this question. Here's the other direction that we can, that I, I kind of want to take us uh, as we think about what it means to love other people. It's kind of, it's, it's similar to the first direction we just talked about, but it's, it's got some very subtle, very, very important things. I want you guys to all just take a second and whether you close your eyes or not, it's up to you. I won't be able to tell anyway. Um, but think about difficult points in your life where someone else's actions like change things for you. Important moments where someone did something or someone said something and someone loved you in a really important way and that changed your circumstances. And now I want you to think, instead of taking that and say, why doesn't that happen now? I want you to think of like, that is what God wants for you. God is so excited and so eager to share that moment with you on the giving side, not on the receiving side. So there's a few moments here, and I haven't cleared, I haven't cleared it with the people I'm gonna highlight here. So if you're embarrassed, I'm really sorry. So um, <laughs> it's one of the best ways to start a story. People just perk right up. Another preacher trick. We're getting, you guys are getting the inside scoop. Um, so uh, a few years ago, my, my wife and I were going through some really difficult, uh, difficult times. And one of the decisions that we had to make was uh, there's a, a, an op we had an option. We, had, we could go one direction, which we, we really felt would, was a good thing for our kids. And then there's another direction that we could go that we felt maybe wasn't as great for our kids. Um, but we were also kind of nervous about going about, but we felt that we, we, we weren't sure we could give our kids what we needed. I, have to, I, ha I know this is not satisfying at all as far as details go uh, for you, I'm, I, but I, I literally can't say much more than that. Anyways, I, I reached out to my friend Ross, and I was like, Ross, uh, this is my situation here, and um, I'm not really sure or what to do. And um, I talked to Joy as well, his wife, and the two of them gave me some really, really great counsel. And as a result of the permission that I really, the permission that they gave me, and not saying that I needed to hear, that I needed to get permission from somebody else, but a lot of times when we're struggling, we have like this invisible barrier where we're sort of like really hesitant to move in a specific direction. So we don't think, we don't feel like we're allowed to do it. And sometimes it takes somebody else saying, hey, listen, this is a good thing. Because if, if, you, if you don't go that direction, like your health is on the line. And that's the kind of scenario where this was. And, and Ross and Joy and, what, and their, their uh, counsel to me and to Sarah, I think, it like, I think it saved us from some really bad things. 
Um, it's all, it's, you, never, you never know how bad things could get. Um, but I, I think that they protected us in that moment. And, and they loved us by speaking really honestly and speaking really candidly. And that was a huge, huge moment for us. Um, this is a little bit more recent. I had, or Sarah and I had um, two, um, two friends, uh, Lisa Hummel and, uh, and Megan Ballard came over to our house and they gave um, my wife a day off because she was in a really rough spot. And I was working from home, I have been working from home for a long time, but um, just knowing that our kids were being taken care of by people that we trusted and being able to give, give my wife space that she desperately needed. Um, that was something that had a massive uh, impact on me personally, um, just to experience that from somebody else. Uh, I also been through some kind of tough moments in my business. And um, Robin and Dan, um, they have treated me with so much grace and kindness and compassion. Um, in a, what, a very, very difficult time, and they have proven to me how much God loves me and how much God is on. He's got my back. And um, so all of you guys, there's so many more stories I could go, so many places I could take this, but I have received so much uh, that I wasn't expecting. And I know this is not just me. I know all of us can think of stories like that. And my emotion right now is, is not, not fake at all. And this is the impact. Like, I'm showing you the impact that God wants all of us to have on people around you. And, and that's, what, that's what works is. Like, that's what God intends for works. And of course, the big question is like, okay, so how do I do that? How do I, how do I walk in that? Because I, you can't walk through your life looking for the impact. And that's really what this next um, piece of scripture is all about. It's about how God has changed the definition of success. The world, my, my, my own background, the world just tells us that success is defined by the output. Success is defined by the impact. But that is not what success looks like for us as believers. So we're gonna go to John 15, um, verses one to 11 here. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, so that it might bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I am in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they're gathered and cast into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so proved to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. So abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be in full. So 
what I want to really make clear, and I, I may not be doing it successfully, I, I hope to, but what I really want to make clear today is that the arena of works, that kind of spot from that we talked about at the beginning, the arena of works, that is such a beautiful and, and sacred space to really begin to experience what it's like to just be one with Jesus. And I'm saying experience because we, as believers, we are one with Christ, but we don't always feel it. We don't always experience it, but it's in the process of, of, of walking with him moment by moment, breath by breath, abiding in him, that we actually begin to really feel, uh, again, not all the time, but we begin, to, we begin to feel what it's like to have a real close moment with Jesus. So what I want to say here is that every time we see the word fruit, that's talking about the results of a process. Now, is it the branch's job to bear the fruit? Not at all. The branches, that's, that's us, uh, the branches are connected to the vine. And it's the vine's job to deliver what the branch needs. And as the branch looks to the vine in every single moment, fruit begins to appear on the branches. Our Father, our very deeply loving Father, He is responsible for productivity, not us. The world tells us that it's my effort that will turn, create productivity. And if I've got good productivity, then my standing and my identity are secure. That is, those are lies. Our Father is responsible for productivity. Our Father is also responsible for, for removing the unproductive branches. And what the in, an interesting thing here is, that, is to note is that this chapter, um, uh, chapter 15 of John, it falls between two really, really important moments. <laughs> chapter 13 is describing the Last Supper. Uh, the last meal that Jesus shares with his disciples. And that's like a lot of the, like, that's where communion was implemented. Um, and then, so there's communion happens. And then Jesus talks a little bit more. And at the end of chapter 14, Jesus says, okay, let's leave this place. And so this place he's talked about is the upper room. So this chapter, chapter 15 here, happens between the upper room on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane which is in chapter 17, 18? I don't know, someone can fact check that for me. Um, but the point I want you to hear is that the unproductive branches, think about what happened in the Last Supper. Who was there that Jesus sent out? Who was that guy? It was Judas Iscariot. There are people, occasionally, that seem to, be seem to belong, but they don't, and there's not fruit. It's not our job to decide who those people are. It's, it's Father's job. He is the one who picks those people out. Um, the other thing that Father does, he, he prunes branches. He prunes the productive branches. Uh, a really interesting point here um, in verse, where Jesus talks about the, oh yeah, verses two to three, uh, he says, you know, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. You were already clean because of the word, the word I've spoken to you. So God talks about, or, um, about pruning productive branches, and he says, you are already cleaned. So pruned and cleaned are actually the same Greek word. And uh, I'm not totally sure why the translators made the decision to kind of translate this the way that they did, but Jesus is saying, like, my father prunes the ones that are bearing fruits, so they bear even more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word I spoke to you. 
And so as believers, we have been pruned and God is going to continue to do that as time goes on. And that's discipleship. That's what that is right there. Um, the other really important thing that we I want to talk about here is the word abide. I'm not sure how many times abide shows up in the first, you know, these first 11 verses. A lot, a lot of times. And the word abide, it means to dwell or to live. And the point that I'm making here is that the responsibility of the branch is not to bear the fruit. The, the responsibility of the branch is to live. And one of the things that very often um, I get confused by is the different usages of words. So in this passage, for example, there's the word abide is used in like a passive sense, in the sense of I, you know, abide in the vine. And then it's also used as an act in an active sense um, where, oh, also spot here. Uh, it's an act in an active sense where it's, it's, just, it's, it's like a command almost, like abide in me. As, as I abide in you. And there's a couple kind of interesting things here. On the one hand, the, the, the word abide talks about how, you know, we are plugged into the vine. We are abiding in the, van, the vine. And as a, in a passive sense, that's describing what's true. We are abiding. We're dwelling. We're living. We're connected to the vine. But then at the end, Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. So it's kind of like Jesus is telling me to do what I'm already doing? Like, how does that make sense? It's kind of confusing. It's someone saying, saying like, Josh, be Josh. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> There's a lot of deep stuff in there. I should probably talk to a counselor about what I just said. <laughs> I don't know how to be Josh. Um, but the point, what, the, 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 how, how I've kind of been interpreting this, and I've had a lot of conversations with like people who are a lot smarter than me, not very hard to find, by the way, um, about what, what is Jesus doing here? And one thing that, um, there's a book, uh, Stunned by Grace, that uh, was written by Frank Friedman. And he talks about how the word, like when Jesus uses that in like an active sense, he talks about it's like, it's like an imperative invitation. It's like Jesus is inviting us to lean into what's true. You know, it's kind of like the difference between saying, I live in my house and I live in my house. Like, on one hand, it's like, oh yeah, this is where I do it. But it's like when you're living in your house, you're like flexing your muscles, you're kind of spreading out, you're enjoying yourself. You're sort of like leaning into the reality. And that's what Jesus is telling us here. Like, we all abide in him. Like, as believers, that's just the reality. But when we're being commanded to abide, it's like, like just take advantage of that. Like, just get such as much sap out of that as you can. And as you do that, then fruit begins to be produced. At the end of the day, Jesus is our source. And one of the, like that's what John 15, these, this chapter is all about. Jesus is the source. He's the place that we go to, to have our needs met and to start to see the fruits of the spirit. And he's the place we go to if we're nervous that we're not seeing enough works in our life. If we're not seeing enough fruit in our life. Um, one thing I, heard, I remember hearing uh, someone say was like, you know, so many people, you know, uh, have experienced church. They go to church and, you know, from the front they hear, hey, branches, are you, uh, are you producing enough fruit? And like, no, I'm not. And it's like, terrible branch. Go out, produce more fruit, produce more fruit. But really the message that we need to be hearing is, hey, branches, are you producing fruit? And you hear that question like, I don't know, I did like this bad thing and that bad thing. And I don't oof. get nervous, but answering that question and the response that we need to be hearing 
is then, then just abide, like dwell, like just, just focus on receiving from Jesus. That's what we've got to do. Let him take care of the productivity. Let, let him take care of the fruit. And when I say the arena of works is where we experience that real sacred intimacy with Jesus, it's in this part of it. It's in the abiding, it's in the dwelling, it's in, it's in that moment by moment in, uh, interaction with Jesus that we really begin to, to experience him in ways that are very hard to find in any other places. Focusing on the process, not focusing on the outputs or the, result, or the results. For myself, I struggle um, because I look at my life and I see lots of works. I see a lot of things that I'm doing. And I look at some of those things and I'm, I'm like, okay, some of these are good. They're good works. Some of these are like, are not great works. And, but there's like, some of them are just, I'm not really sure how to evaluate them. And at the end of the day, there's one really, really, really important um, safety net that all of us have. And that's a safety net of redemption. And I can look at my life and see the good things that I've done, but I can also look at my life and it's a lot easier to see the bad things I've done. Decisions that I made out of selfish motives or things that I did that had painful consequences in the lives of other people. And it is so, so, so easy for shame just to creep in and just to sink its talons into me. And like, look at that terrible thing that you did. Look at how those people are suffering because of what you did. And what Jesus is wanting to say, look, this is kind of like between the lines, or buried between the lines in John 15. What Jesus is saying here is that your fruit is not your responsibility anymore. The impact on your fruit is not your responsibility anymore. Shame wants to tell me that because of the bad fruit in my life, my standing is in jeopardy. I'm no longer someone who's worthy of love. Shame wants to tell me that because of my bad fruit, I, I should shuttle, shutter up, I should hide, I should retreat. But what Jesus is wanting to say is, I am redeeming you and I'm redeeming them. You don't have a right to that shame anymore. You can't accept it. It doesn't belong to you. That's really hard. That's really hard for me to hear and hard for me to accept because I, as I know, like everybody here, like you can, you can think of those things like, just like that. You can think of things that you've done where you've hurt other people and like shame begins to creep up. But that shame doesn't belong to you anymore. That's just something I feel like is important to say. Bad works are a product, uh, are a byproduct of independence. We don't really have a sin problem, we have an independence problem. Bad works are a result of operating independently of the vine, whereas good works are a product of a lifestyle of trusting in Jesus, trusting in the truth of my identity, trusting in the truth of who I am, the truth of my standing in my righteousness. Father has an active and an aggressive plan for redemption for you and for those people that you hurt. 
all things work together for good. My successes, my failures, my really bad failures. Abiding can be really hard at first, especially if you have like a lifetime of, of sort of performance orientation. Uh, and I'm using the word performance as a, as a focus on the output, like maybe an excellence orientation, maybe that's a better way of saying it. If you're focused, you focus and always want to deliver, to deliver really, really good results, abiding can be really hard. Um, one thing that, a kind of a concept or a metaphor that kind of God gave me this week, it's kind of like a, a pair of shoes. So I had a, a pair of shoes that I bought and I ended up wearing them for cutting the grass. And they look terrible. Um, they're so comfortable, <laughs> but they're also like full of holes, but they're so comfortable. They're like horrible shoes, but I'm like really comfortable and really used to them. Transitioning from something that is comfortable, but really doesn't work that well to something that is like far, far, far superior, like a pair of like handmade, like solid leather shoes, like that transition is painful. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to break in new leather shoes, but they pinch sometimes. You can kind of get blisters a little bit. It takes time to wear it in. And in the same way, beginning to, um, beginning to, um, trying to, trying to uh, abide more and beginning to, to, to practice that, that can also be painful. And that can also be awkward. And you kind of fall on your face sometimes. But the thing is, is that the falling on your face doesn't come into this equation of whether it's a success or not. Because again, it goes back to, it's the process. If in that moment you said, I'm gonna trust Jesus and I'm gonna do this thing because I think it's what Jesus is telling me to. And then you go and do that and it just bombs totally. That is a huge success. <laughs> it doesn't feel that way, but it 100% is. Whereas if you go into something where you're nervous, you're like, okay, I know that if I work and work and work and prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare, I know that I will have a great sermon on Sunday morning. And so I over-prepare because that's, that's an, honestly, that's, a, that's, a, that's something I personally struggle with. If I over-prepare when God is saying, you know what, you really need to take Saturday night, make sure you're hanging out with your kids. And I'm like, oh, I just, the sermon, I just got to read through it a couple times. Like, if I do that in like eight people get saved, is that a success? Not for me, because I didn't trust Jesus. Jesus is saying, listen, take a break, sit down, hang out with your kids. And I chose not to, I chose to, I chose to, to put more effort into it. I chose to, to script things out even more clearly. That is not good fruit. Even though it looks good and it sounds good and, and Eldon just loves it. Like that's, that's a great byproduct. <laughs> like that is not, like that is not success. Like my success in that moment is determined by, was I trusting Jesus in the process of what I'm doing? It's not determined by the result. Abiding can also feel like dancing backwards. So um, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, um, I had to look it up to find out who they were. <laughs> That's not totally true. I kind of knew who they were. So, you know, they were like, you know, renowned for their dancing abilities, some acting abilities. And the two of them, they, they did a lot of work together. And people would say, boy, Fred Astaire, he is, uh, like he is such an incredible dancer. 
And then I don't, I wasn't able to find the actual source of this story, but it's a great anecdote. So it might not 100% be true, but it's the concept that matters. And then people say, well, Ginger Rogers had to do what Fred Astaire did, only backwards and in heels. And that's kind of what abiding is like. Like, if I'm, if I'm gonna put myself out there, I wanna see the field, I wanna know where I'm going, I wanna know where the pitfalls are, so I can you know, create a course that's gonna get me where I wanna go. Ah, I wish that was abiding. <laughs> that's not abiding. Jesus is the one who's leading us. And the more that we allow him to lead us as we're moving backwards, uh, not in heels for me, but as we're moving backwards, that, that is the picture of abiding. That's what it's like. And it can, boy, it can feel uncomfortable for people who are, uh, have control issues, like me. Uh, but it's, it requires trust. It requires committing to an action and counting on the other party to come through and to be there when you need it. And it's that moment. That is what God is after. That's what Ephesians 2 verse 10 is talking about. That moment where like, okay, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to assume that what God is telling me about who I am, about my standing with him, about my righteousness, I'm going to assume that's true. And I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this action. That is what it means to walk in good works. And that moment of risking, that moment of, of gambling on Jesus. I, for some reason, the thought of, like, of a gamble on Jesus as opposed to trusting Jesus, I know this is just my own, my own issues, but Gamble just sits better with me personally because I could lose everything. It's like in a gamble, you don't know what the results are going to be. And that's what it's kind of like to abide. You don't know what the results are going to be, but you're counting on Jesus showing up. And it's like when you make that decision in that spot, like that, that is what abiding looks like. And that is the point of the new covenant. That's what the new covenant is arcing us towards. I'm going to end with this thought. Um, in the last 10 years ago, I quit my job. Uh, I was working as a worker for the Gideons International in Canada, the people who, who put the um, Bibles in hotels. And I, I didn't really, I, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to, 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 to move in a new direction, and so I did. And for people who have either been self-employed or held levels of, of, of responsibility or, or been in that kind of a, of, a, of a situation, you know that there is extra pressure that you end up carrying. And the last, the last two or three weeks, God has made it so clear to me that for 10 years, I have been pushing and pushing and pushing. For 10 years, I felt like the success I wanted was just out of my reach. If I just pushed a little bit harder, I could get it. I'm not saying I haven't been abiding for 10 years in a row, and that's what I'm not saying at all. What I'm saying is that I have this 10-year pattern, this 10-year habit of throwing all of myself in a direction to try to get a, to try to get a specific result. And it's become very clear that that has to end. God's saying, it's time for you to give that up. So I made a pact, a pact with Jesus. And I think this is what I'd like each of you guys to consider making a pact with Jesus as well. I'll just read to you what my pact is, and then we'll wrap up. Father, you've made it clear that I've been pushing for too hard or for too long. I see the cost of that. I see the toll it's taken on my family, and you're asking me to step back from work 
and give a greater portion of my finite energy to my wife and to my kids. You're telling me that you don't need my overtime, you don't need my anxiety or my stress in order to do what you want to do with Lazarus Media Productions. But I'm afraid if I do scale back, I'm afraid my business will suffer, and I do not want that to happen. I'm very hesitant to follow your leading here, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to gamble. I know the stakes. There's provision issues. I've got staff. I've got clients who are counting on me. If the business does suffer, you and I are going to have words. <laughs> I wrote it down. It's here. I will be disappointed. I will be angry. But I also know that you and I will get through it. So I'm going to follow you in this anyways. And that is what abiding is. It's that moment of decision and then actually making changes to actually carry that out and to carry that through. Now, don't forget, abiding is our default setting. We are plugged into the vine. So when I'm saying abide now, it's the imperative invitation. It's like, let's lean into this. Let's, 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 let's gamble. Let's gamble on love for other people. Let's gamble that Jesus is going to be on the other side of that. That's the encouragement that I got for you guys this morning. Let's pray together. Father, a lot of us are facing some really difficult, painful situations. And I just feel it, that you have such a desire to fill our daily experience with love and joy and peace and patience and all the fruits of the, fruits of the Spirit. Help us to abide. Help us to just take full advantage. Help us to lean in to the reality that you are our source and you are our provision. Because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's all about those, those great works that you have set out in advance for us to do. And as we, as we walk in those works, or as we, as we walk hand in hand with you abiding, those great works are going to manifest and that fruit is going to show up. Thank you that we can count on you to do that. You are so good to us. Amen. Um, if there's anybody who needs to talk or you want to, someone to pray for you, um, Ross is over there. <laughs> Greg's over there. I'm here. Robin's right there. Um, we're all available. I, I'd love to pray for you and for whatever, whatever you're going through. Um, and... Um, but yeah, go and love each other. Love each other really, really well. I never end sermons well. I don't know how to. I wish like the get off the, the stage music would come on to make this more natural, but I'm just going to go. This has been great. Um, I love you guys a lot. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.